Hi, I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In the Moment, a podcast on acting, art, and life. In this series, I'm talking to AMAW alumni, students, and clients about the challenges of acting and the joys of creating in the 21st century. For more information, go to anthonymindel.com, or you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, Tony interviews Happy Death Day star Jessica Roth. She talks about how she's reframed her way of thinking about acting to be focused on the pursuit rather than the results as the work. She and Tony also touch on a number of topics from acting class to auditioning and social media. This episode will energize you and have you feeling positive about hard work. I'm here with Jessica Roth. Hello. Hi, Jess. Hi. This is where I push the button and everybody applauses. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, a very fancy machine that you have. <laughs> um, welcome to In the Moment Podcast. Thank I have you. a podcast now. I know. It's You're been very fancy. No, it's pretty, pretty fun. Um, talking with great people like yourself about all kinds of creative things. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having and me. And you've been such a busy gal. So I'm you are you're doing <laughs> it. Like I was thinking today, you go from having your own show mm-hmm. to doing a musical comedy remake yes. to doing like a horror genre piece that was like did really well. That now they made a second one. Yes, and you shot that already. We did. We just finished shooting it in the end of June, beginning of July, and then we just finished reshoots actually two weeks ago. Whoa! Yes. And that was in Louisiana. And that was in Louisiana. And you should tell you should tell the listeners what that was. Um, you talk about your project. So the first film came out about a year ago now, and it was called Happy Death Day. And the second one is very appropriately titled Happy Death Day to You with a two and a U. Got it. Um, of course, because <laughs> we love being cheeky, and it's this really, really fun. Um, take on a slasher movie meets Groundhog's Day. The new one has a little bit of Back to the Future vibe in it. There's some 16 Candles going on. Okay. So it's this really wonderful amalgamation of just so many different genres. And Chris Landon, our incredible writer and director, who is one of the most generous, kind, amazing humans that I've ever collaborated with. Um, He is just such a master of melding genres. And... Not only that, but he gave all of every single person on the set, whether it was me or our amazing DP, Toby Oliver, or the grips and the electrics and the PAs, everybody was considered an equal collaborator Uh and an equal part um, artist. And so I think that one of the reasons the film did so well is everybody was invested 120%. Everybody felt like their voice was heard. Everybody put forth their best effort to create the best product that we could make. That's exciting. Yeah. Right? That's the way filmmaking or production should be. But as I'm sure you've had other experiences. Yes, <laughs> I have. Well, it's, it, it, you know it, it is, I've had experiences that weren't quite as, um, quite as magical in that whole way, but it yeah. makes you so grateful when you get to work with people who really, strive to make the environment safe so everyone can do their best work because I think that that's one thing Chris does really well and in some ways the Blumhouse system does so well because they because they make so many movies they kind of let you go do your own thing Uh and you're not being 
you're not getting 10 million pages of notes every day. Right. Um, yeah, I've heard which that. Which is really nice. And also they keep the budget small so that they they, you can work within a, a certain, you know, a style that works like for their, well, what they're known for, right? Yeah. Like their movies make a lot of money, but they're, they like, I don't know. They they're very economical. To... <laughs> <laughs> well, but I do have to but say it that works. it does work you though. We shot, I mean, every day was at least a 14 hour day. Whoa. We were working crazy, crazy days, but it's because we, it's because we were being ambitious and I would so much rather work insane of days. Of course you're there work to work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. It's play. Yeah. Um, and how, what was that, what was that audition process like? Because I, I don't remember you telling me much about that. Well, I actually auditioned for it when I was on set for a different movie. Oh. Um, so I was in Atlanta shooting a movie called Forever My Girl. And my co-star, Alex Rowe, who's a fantastic actor, was working every single day. So I had no one to help me. So I got one of my director friends who was in L.A. to Skype with me while I... I like Skyped with him on my phone and filmed it on my iPad okay. and had 7 million different screens going. Um, so I sent it in and then I Skyped with Chris, the director, and I was lucky enough to book it off of that. And Whoa. then I went and did chemistry reads. Yeah. Okay. That's so awesome. Yeah. Like on set, you book another job just by self-taping. Yeah. I love it. Which ne like never happens. It, and it's, I think so many people experience this who are artists it's so rare to know what your next job is yeah. while you're on the job that you're on yeah. and it was such a relief like I think that it also was a huge relief for my parents because this world is so unfamiliar to them and you're they're going like, from job to job yeah they were like working. it's like you have a real yeah, job exactly. Jessica oh my god that's so there's funny. consistency and Aww. like you have health insurance um oh my god I'm sure they're so proud of you Jess because you're even if listen even if let's say we were to turn back time and you hadn't been working yet the fact that you're like pursuing your dreams I mean I think that's the thing right like everybody finds their own way and everybody's journey is different and yeah. so who knows I mean you're doing things now but it wouldn't make you any less of an artist if your career didn't start taking off in for five years I, I mean, completely you know agree. what I mean and the thing I have to say about that is like my I went to school for acting I moved to New York and my path is so different then I have a really good friend who um, got cast in Spring Awakening when she was like 18 years Whoa, old. And then okay. I have other friends who went and studied something completely different in school that wasn't acting. I have friends who went from being businessmen. Like, it, yeah. it, there is no one way to do this. Yeah. And I think that even when I'm feeling frustrated or down about my own path, it's just remembering that there are so, so many paths to success. And it's just... As long as I get to do the work and as long as I get to work with people who I love and that I admire and respect, that's that's the journey. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you can't control if the movie's going to come out or what it's going to look like. It's it's the pursuit of it that I've, I try to learn to, to see as the work, yeah. if that makes sense. No, of course. I'll have two thoughts about that. One is, well, it kind of is a perfect segue to your other movie that hasn't been released yet. Mm -hmm. So you did a remake, I a did. musical remake, yes. of one of my, let's not my, my generation <laughs> in the 80s, of Valley Girl. Yeah. Which, weirdly enough, did you hear that Josh, so God, Josh Whitehouse is going to be in the Game of Thrones prequel. I'm so proud of him. I have to text him. It's so exciting. So for the listeners, Josh 
uh, and Jess play boyfriend and girlfriend in Valley Girl. Yes. And I coached Josh for that as Romeo well. and Juliet situation. Yeah. And, um, and now he's been announced to, to be in the Game of Thrones sort of reboot or whatever that is. But anyway, so you shot that like a summer ago. Yeah, we right? shot that last Spr- May, spring. May, June, July. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so it's done. It's done. It's in the can. Okay. So what, what's the hope for it? It's really good, you said. I, I love it. Or you like it. it. I love it. Yeah. Um, I think it has so much heart. I think... I mean, I grew up on movie musicals. I also grew up on good old teen romances. Yeah. Like, yeah. give me some 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. I will oh. watch it every day. Melissa. And oh. I have to say that... Josh channels some hardcore young Heath Ledger in the most incredible way. I in see film. that in him. Um, yeah, and he's just such a present, lovely human being and actor, and he has the most incredible voice. Um, so yeah, the the movie is done, but the thing is, I think that they're waiting to find the right time to release it and the right home right. for it, whether yeah. that be on a streaming service. Since now that's such a huge part of. Uh-huh. Um, of film consumption for people or if it's better to have a wide release and I think they're kind of trying out different avenues and seeing where it will fit the best Uh okay yeah and there's a lot of AMAWers in it as well so Andrew Kai yes yes and Logan yes and you and Josh and that was kind of like an all-star cast. It's a re- It was yeah. a really fun summer. I mean, we were shooting in the valley in the summer, so it was really hot. <laughs> and also, like, again, like, technically low budget, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, when, when somebody hears a budget of, like, $5 million or something or $1 million, it seems like a lot of money. But then when you're in it and you're doing it and the kind of things that they're sort of the kind of storytelling that they're trying to do a million dollars goes so fast that's it's what people insane. don't even realize yeah it's it crazy. seems like a lot but, but we I I think I can say this the budget I'm pretty sure was 15 uh-huh. around 15 okay, yeah. and we shot it in six weeks which when you tell anyone that and you're like we shot a a, a period piece musical, a musical in six no weeks yes. for 15 yeah. million dollars they're like yeah. how 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 is that possible? And I look back and I still don't know. Whoa. Like, I still have no idea how we did it. But again, that was another case where everybody was so excited about the film and believed in it so much that you kind of make miracles happen right. in an incredible way. And Rachel was directing. Yes. Yes. I've come to know her. She She's seems lovely. really badass. She's super badass. Yeah. She, it's incredible because she is one of the most visual directors I've mm-hmm. ever worked mm-hmm. with. I think she has such a handle on exactly exactly what she wants to see up on the screen and watching her kind of find all the ways to create those images and then guide us through with acting like she she just has a really specific directing style that uh-huh. I really love wow, okay, um, cool. and she comes from this incredible comedy background right. which is really fun okay yeah well I can't wait for it to come out yeah, me too. in some capacity I mean I'm sure, I'm sure you, you're like chomping at the bit a little bit, right? Because I'm sure, how do you yeah. see, do you see your work and are you like, oh God, or are you able to be a little bit more objective about it? Both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I know it's, it's hard. hard, isn't it? It's hard watching it because no ma- I will always be my worst critic. Right. I think every actor is like that. Yeah. But you see the things in you, moments that you know. But nobody else knows. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I'm watching it, I'm watching the entire narrative. Or it's like when I'm talking yeah. in class all the time. It's like, there's so many moving parts. And 
we really only get fixated on one part if that mm-hmm. part is sticking out in yeah. a really bad way. Usually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's interesting what we do to ourselves. Like, yeah. Tiny micro moment. Like, we could have done something different. Our eye was twitching and nobody notices that. And yeah. we're like, oh my God. Well, it's <laughs> easy It's easy to, to do that, to pick apart stuff. Yeah. But I think a big part of that that I've realized, the reason I do it, is because I want to have more control over this crazy whirlwind of a thing than I do. Yeah. And the only way I can have control is by critiquing myself. Yeah. Um, but that's actually just a lot of wasted energy and that energy can go to so much better places. Of course, it's wonderful to watch a performance or watch a tape if you're making a self-tape and try to figure out, oh, this moment isn't working. How can I make it work better? Maybe mm-hmm. if I get really nitpicky about mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z or maybe if I let it rip, all of those things. But once it's, once it's done, unless you can use it as a learning experience, it's just torturing. Believe me, I'm preaching to myself. Like, I'm, I'm the worst when it comes to being hypercritical. But listen, but... I think that was the other point I was going to make that what I really respect about you and, and a lot of actors at the studio is that you're really successful and you're doing work and you're doing high-profile projects and getting a lot of opportunities, but you're still, when you have a chance or when you're back in town in between filming, you're in class and you're working it out. It's so inspiring. I mean, it really is. Well, but it's also, I feel really lucky to have that. It's super important, but it's, it's really important to have it because I love telling people that your class for me is like going to the gym. You have to keep in shape. You have to, to. you have to do your reps. You have to go in and do your reps and learn from other people who are going to challenge you and maybe don't do things the way that you like to do them. And even if you leave and continue to do things in your way, you're inevitably going to have learned something. Yeah. That's going to make you a better artist. Even if even if it's the worst experience in the world, you'll yeah. come out a better artist from Well, it. I also think too, like being in class and really working it out like a gym, is that then when you go to jobs, because every job is gonna be a different situation depending on your co-stars and the director and how the director works mm-hmm. and you know, all kinds of things, the writing. But you the actor has more going on with unconsciously. Yeah. It's like a, the depth has been sort of it's just kind of being explored without the actor realizing Mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? It's like if you train at the gym and you're a runner and you all of a sudden like go and run like a half marathon and you didn't think you could do it. It's because of the support that was put in place by being at the gym for those few months. And then you're like, Oh, look at what I can do. I really, I think it's a, it's an intangible thing, Mm -hmm. but it's tangible in the work itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, It's like anything like you just, the, the more you do in whatever capacity that is, mm-hmm. you're like tangibly better, but then I also think the ephemeral is better. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're more adaptable. Yeah. For sure. And you're, I think you're also just there in a different way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you show up in a way that's mm-hmm. like, I'm here. Even if like I'm in my head or that take didn't go very well. You know, well, you've seen this because you're in one of the master classes, but any class really where sometimes when the actor is like, I was like, how was that? And they're like, well, oh my God. You know, and you're thinking, when we're watching it, we're like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Like, that was so amazing. Um, what was my point about it? But, but because I think we're not able to see our own progress because yeah. we're in it. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's the intangible, I think. But that's what's exciting about acting too, I think, because by staying active and alive in it, 
we're always growing. Yeah. You know? So now is your series, so you were on a series on MTV. Yes. But that's done. It is it's done. done. Okay. We did one season. Being, no, not being Mary Jane. I was, um, no. <laughs> oh, it is being, uh, no. No, the, the, it was called Mary and Jane. Mary and Jane. Jane not that's being right. Mary, Mary plus Jane. Jane. Mary, Mary plus Jane. Mary plus Jane. And, but I played a character named Paige, which was very confusing <laughs> for many people. There was no one named Mary, no Mary or, or Jane, Jane on the show. So that was a, a sort of a riff on pot? Yes. Oh, okay, that's We hilarious. were a legal medical dispensary, okay. uh, but not really. Okay, that's weed, hilarious. Weed sales girls. Was that your first breakthrough, maybe? Was that your first? Um, I th- well, you know what I will say about it is, because I think people have asked me that before, and I think the thing that for me started to get the ball rolling, honestly, was probably La La Land, just because even though I had a smaller oh, part right. in it, okay, yeah. it, it was such it was such a huge, huge film right, that yeah, right. I really benefited from everybody else's yes, incredibly exactly. hard work. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, we also worked very hard on the part that we did and I was so lucky to get to work with Damien and Emma and Ryan, like all of those incredible people. Um, so I think that that was the thing that opened doors, but Mary and Jane was incredible because it was a comedy mm-hmm. and I was on set every single day. Every single one of our guest stars was someone from UCB or Groundlings or Second City. Everyone had the most insane improv skills. Every single actor brought their own pitches of new jokes. Oh, and that was something I had never experienced uh-huh. before because okay. I had done improv in college and I love comedy, but I had never been like, Oh, the jokes that I think of might work. You know, right. it, it really, um, it challenged me to step outside of my comfort zone and kind of try to bring jokes and sometimes they would fall completely flat, but every <laughs> once in a while it would, it would work. And, yeah. um, and I think that that kind of, um, being on your toes like that is a really useful, wonderful thing to experience mm-hmm. for any actor. Um, and you know, comedy, comedy is hard to do well. Um, timing is really hard and in film and TV it's a little different because they can edit the comedy in a lot of times but we would do certain sequences that either were physical comedy bits or they'd be one takes and so we'd really have to have our rhythm down like kind of in our our resting heartbeat almost and I loved that I loved that challenge Um, but it was really really fun well your work is very like it's interesting because even like Happy Death Day there's like comedic aspect mm-hmm. to it you know what I mean your your comedy is very like you're funny without trying to be funny oh thank you <laughs> well I had I had a clowning teacher I had a clowning teacher in college who was like oh, well. you're only, I feel bad for you because you're only funny when you're in intense amounts of pain and I think that that's true it's like I they, they call it a naive clown because they're like buffoons and right, naives right, yeah. and okay. I am definitely a naive, a naive which just means that when people are taking advantage of me or when horrible <laughs> things are happening to me that's true. I'm very very oh my god or I won't say very funny but I'm I'm slightly more funny than I was before. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Whoa, so that was a clown class? Yeah. Whoa. Kind of creepy, but I but I love the archetypes of the yes. buffoon and the... Well, luckily, right? so true. we didn't do full, like, clown face oh, makeup. Okay. We had red noses, uh, okay. but we weren't, like, dressing up in giant shoes and walking around throwing cream pies in yeah. each other's faces. <laughs> Though that would have been amazing. Yeah. I was actually... I'm working on another book right now, and I was like talking about like the history of masks which is so much of that stuff is sort of anathema to how I work in a way but but um but not in the sense that like you know if you think about Greek times yeah 
and they use and then you know Camino del Arte or whatever but like I remember in college like for some people it can be very freeing because you if we hide, mm -hmm. you put on a mask or you look at the mask. I remember in college, we'd always look at our masks, right? Yeah. Study them, take them into your body, and then you put them on and inhabit it. And in a way, it was very freeing for people who were oppressed in different aspects of their expression. Yeah. So if you had like a buffoon, you got to be really clowny and, you know, it's so, it is interesting whatever works to evoke more of our stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? And I was like, maybe I should do a mask I have done that before. Mask classes are really fun. Like, I've done... Uh, somebody in Tuesday night, um, I made him come with a mask uh -huh. because he would get self-conscious about certain things. And so I was like, well, if you can hide a part of yourself, but the mask also simultaneously gives you freedom to express yeah. in that mask way, let's see what it can do. And it did. It kind of gave him permission to play more. I feel that way about accents. Oh, sometimes. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's almost, I don't, it, I'm already doing such a big thing yes. by having an accent so I don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah. And so it unlocks a different part or also just putting your voice in a different pitch place, place or yeah, in, yeah, your, yeah. in your mouth, in your face. Um, but I, I think you should totally do a mask class. Okay, maybe. I would take it. Well, so tell, tell us what's next for you. Like, what are you... Uh... What what's kind of you're auditioning? I'm auditioning that old that old <laughs> that old thing. <laughs> that old Isn't thing. it interesting that you're like probably getting seen for bigger things, and yet you still have to like still have to hustle. audition, still have to hustle. Which I I mean, of course, would I love if Steven Spielberg was like that girl is this Valley movie girl. now? <laughs> yeah. um, that would be amazing. But I yes. do have to say, I think it's such an important thing to go in and audition in the room because, for instance, with Valley Girl, I auditioned for that movie over the course of a year and a half, Whoa. probably over six times, Whoa, okay. if not more. As they went through different directors and different producers, I had like two different vocal types. Like I did, I did so much work for that job, and that, so then when I got it, I felt like I really earned it. Done the work, um, but Whoa. also even if. I'm the Meryl Streep of acting, which I am not. But even if I was, how would a director know that I could, that I well, was you, the person that could, that could tell the story in the way that they wanted to unless they have me in the room. That's right. And they work with me and they ask me questions and kind of we see how we collaborate together. And yeah. so I think that auditioning in the room is such an important important thing um and it's hard because of course it's nerve-wracking because they have something that you want right um but i try to remember that i also may have something that they want That's right. sometimes yeah um but yeah so i'm auditioning i'm reading a lot of books which is really lovely oh, cool. um uh -huh. Gosh, both, everything is yeah uh -huh. both looking for ip but also Material. just to keep my mind busy yeah i'm taking class yeah um and just kind of looking for the right next, next thing. thing. I got a puppy. I'm Aww. baking a lot. Yeah, you know, it's like life stuff. Oh, Trying to keep myself great. sane in both ways. You know, I also just want to say, because you said something that I think is interesting too, is like, I think actors get so... Yes, they have something the actor wants. But it's great that you said want as opposed to need. Because you don't need it to be a, a fully liberated, amazing artist and human being. Yeah. Right? But it is great to like 
it's good to want things and to go after those things and show people this is how I would do it, right? Yeah. But also I think auditioning is so great because you're getting seen yeah. and people start to be like, oh, whoa, okay, well, she's not maybe right for this or we already have an offer out to like Emma Stone. So, but it's so great to know her and like, I love, I've become a fan or I have another movie coming up and I'm going to bring them in for that, that you don't even know about. Well, and you know what I mean? I, I'm lucky enough that one of my really good friends is a casting director. Oh, cool. And so I have conversations with her you, where she's like, yeah. we saw this amazing kid and I thought he was incredible, but the director just wants to go in a different direction. Yeah. But like, I can't wait to find Something. the right thing for this person. Yeah. And that's just, that's something that I don't think enough artists get to hear. Yeah. Um, that you have advocates in the room. Yeah. Even if it doesn't feel that way. Of course you have to be your own advocate, but everyone from the casting director to your team, if you have one, like all of those people are working to find the right thing for you. And so it is hard work and it is craft and skill, but it's also patience and endurance. Like I still, this is the most actory thing in the world to say, but I still think of that um, monologue Nina has at the end of The Seagull where she was uh, uh. like, I've learned that acting isn't about talent or or fame or any of those things I used to think it was about, but it's about endurance. Enduring. Yeah. It's about That's how right. to endure right. and have faith. Enduring. And yeah. that, like, I remember... And that was a hundred years I ago. Chekhov years wrote ago. that in, like, 1890. Well, he's a genius, so... You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he was ahead of his time. But that it's still so applicable. It is. Right? Like, we have to endure... Well, also, like, her reference to, like, fame and accolades, all that stuff is passing. Like, there's no, there, there's, there's just nothing sustainable in that stuff that's the transient. You know what I mean? Well, and yeah. I think, I think you see that so often, um, and it's a hor it's a hard thing to grapple with because, of course, the moment you get a taste of, whether it's fame or approval or whatever, you want more because it feels really good. Good. It's validating. It's right? validating yeah. and it yeah. feels amazing. But at the end of the day, just as easy as someone gave it to you, they can take it away. Absolutely. It doesn't belong to you. Yeah. Um, the things that belong to you are how you choose to interact with other people and work on your craft and the relationships you have in your life yeah. and the things that you do for yourself. Like those are, And even those things don't belong to you, but more so than a judgment someone else can pass Something on you, whether subjective. it's good or bad. That's right. I mean, we were talking before we started rolling just also about like social media and about, I mean, that's also the, I think one of the newer sad byproducts of fame is that people, because it's also subjective and people like or don't like people for whatever reason. So you become famous, but people just don't like you because you remind them of their ex-girlfriend yeah. in high school. So then they control you and say terrible things. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think, uh, I don't know. I think it's just, yeah, we have to do it for the yeah. art of doing it. Well, it's know? one of the reasons, honestly, I, I should be better about it. And I want to interact with it more because amazing things. I, I love my friends who can interact with social media in healthy ways because right. I get to see parts <laughs> of their life. And it's artistic yeah. and it's creative and all of those things. I'm just not one of those. Like, I get FOMO way too easily. Right. I so <laughs> look up and suddenly I've lost an hour and I've been on my phone all that time. I and I don't want to. No, no, no. I don't want to do that. And so... For me, the most healthy version of that is keeping a while. <laughs> I did like more than arm's length distance from yeah. social media, but I think that it's just good to remember that you're like, we went to a Halloween party last night. I went and saw John Carpenter play at the Palladium, which was amazing. Oh, cool. It was amazing. And I filmed some things and I took some pictures and I watched other people 
but I just kept on thinking like if all I was worrying about right now was Instagram storing this so people would see the event I was at, I wouldn't actually be at the event that I'm at. I would be on my phone. And not again, not that there's anything wrong with that because for some people that's what they want to do, but I know that's not how I want to live my life. Um, and I just, but I still have to be aware and conscious of it and catch myself because it's tricky. It's hard. It's very seductive. I know. And addictive. Yes. It's also like the digital, to me, our phones are like the digital photo album from the, like the 1950s because Mm -hmm. yeah, like you were just saying is like myself included, we photograph or, you know, video something. But then I realized like, this is so ridiculous. It's like a photo album. I'm not going to go back and look at this stuff. Yeah. So what is the drive? Like why are we documenting it to show people that we're having such a great, amazing experience? Like, look at me. I'm at the Palladium and you're not. <laughs> it's amazing. You know what I mean? I think there's a yeah. bit of that. Like, and, and I'm guilty of that as yeah. well. Of like, look at how fun my life is in your sass. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I think we're all victims of that sort of... Um, it's compare and despairism, I think. Yeah, you know? I think one day we're going to look back at how much stuff we put up online about ourselves and we're going to be horrified. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe no, like, I I'm, think so. I'm totally wrong. Or computers will just take over and eat our brains. Well, I think that's happening because we're addicted. I was, last night I was talking to my boyfriend. Yes, I have a boyfriend. Hey, uh, Yeah, late at night we were just laying in bed and we were talking. And <laughs> I love that this is your pillow talk <laughs> with your boyfriend. Oh, I know. It was so, I started, by, started talking about Trump and like, you know, this migrant caravan and like, why is he sending 15,000 troops? And like, what is so scary about those people? Why are those defenseless, poor people so frightening? Right. But I started talking about how I'm, and my boyfriend was like, maybe we should go to bed on a more upbeat conversation because I was getting really upset. But, but I also just talked about how I think phones are creating a more and technology itself a more insensitive and inhumane aspect of our human nature that's scary mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. That it's becoming, we are becoming desensitized and robotized. You know what I mean? And, and I think we see that with like the, the dis, constantly this sort of disseminating negative and vitriolic hate. Yeah. You know? Well, communication becomes easy. It's yeah. easy to type something mean on your phone yeah. and send it to someone as a text, as a tweet, as whatever. It's easy to see something horrible and sad happen and be able to just turn your phone off and push it away. You're not having to actually deal with the consequences of any of those things. Yeah. Um, because you're getting to filter and monitor how you want to feel about it. And it's removed in a way. Even, I mean, even a... I, I was thinking this morning about like I want to start writing letters again to my aunt Aww. because that's it, I'll sit down and I'll have to physically take the time to write a letter no one can auto correct me I can't like have my phone just predict a text or what I love to do which is just dictate it yes, to my phone course. because I'm even too lazy to type <laughs> right, things yeah. out um, <laughs> but I, I think that you're right it's 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 tricky though the thing I always try to remember is our phones are amazing things and they let us be connected in ways that we never could have been before. So how do you keep in touch with the things that are, I I don't know the answer to this, but how does one keep in touch with the things that are positive without letting it dominate your life? 
Well, also, I think we just keep doing things for good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, is what I'm about to say or retweet or post going to hurt someone? Yeah. Or is it the truth? Or is it, you know what I mean? Then, then if not, then maybe I shouldn't post it. Yeah. You know, Justine Bateman has, um, she has this new book out called Fame, right? Mm -hmm. She's Jason Bateman's sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, one of her theories, which I think is so fascinating, is that people troll and say terrible things about celebrities because it's a way of being close to them. It's that a way of being connected. Freaky? Yes. Well, but I that freaks a, me out, but it's way, so true. It's a way of being connected, and it's also a way of feeling like part of the conversation and feeling That's like right. your opinion is valid. Yes, valid. Yeah. Um, which I just wish that people knew their opinion was valid mm -hmm. without needing to take someone else down. Well, we'll let our listeners ponder that. <laughs> Think about that. Um, Jazz, I love to end with speed round. Oh no. Who's your celebrity crush? Uh Chris Pratt. <laughs> Whoa. Yes. He's single now too, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm not, so Oh. That's for podcast part two. Hey, 2.0. Yeah, so right. I'll ask you questions about that when <laughs> oh, we're done. God. Is he an actor? Uh he is an actor. He's also a woodworker. <laughs> he builds things out of wood. He's very practical. He's a carpenter. He's okay. a carpenter. Right. He's like Jesus. <laughs> he's like Harrison Ford. Yes, he's like he Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford books Star, Star Wars. Okay. Um one what's one thing you can't do without? Um my mom. Aw. Oh, that's sweet. What's what's your favorite film of all time? Or just your favorite film? It's Sunset. I love Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. That movie will always make me feel better. That and The Sound of Music. Marriage. Those two movies. Love. True love. Yes. <laughs> um, if you weren't an actor, what would you be? I don't know. I know. That's super lame. I The funny thing was, this isn't a speed round answer, but I, when I was in high school... I didn't know you could be an actor. Like, I didn't know... I, yeah, I knew yeah. you could be one, but I didn't know that people who grew up in Colorado in the suburbs could, like, go and be actors. And so I kept on trying to think of what I wanted to be because I knew I loved acting, but I thought it was a hobby. And I, but every job I thought of, I was like, ooh, maybe I'll be like an art historian and, but also have science so I can go and like restore paintings around the world. I was like, oh, you actually, you just want to be in Da Vinci Code. Like you just want to have a ponytail <laughs> oh, and a white lab coat and have it come out and be, be sexy and like look at things. So I realized every job I wanted was actually just the movie version of that That's job. That's hilarious. So I don't know. I okay. don't know. Maybe I'd go live in the woods and like make pottery and bake pies. I could see that. Yeah, I right? I could see a pottery maker. But that's funny. You were living vicarious. Career choices were vicarious <laughs> characters in movies yes. in a way, right? <laughs> it was just like the sexiest I could be a journalist in Afghanistan. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, if you could only take one thing on an island. This is so silly. These are... Oh. These are not like Oprah's speed round questions. Mine are silly. What would that be? Um, right. Well, I guess now my new answer is my puppy. Because he's the best. Aww. Oh, just the dog. What but kind? If it, what kind? He's a little terrier mutt mix. He's so scruffy and awesome. And also if I brought him on the island, then he could like catch fish and help <laughs> me like survive. Survive. Scare away any beasties. That's true. Oh my God. Um, how would you describe acting in one word? Vulnerability. Ding, 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 ding. And what's something that you, what's a big takeaway you've learned from the school? Um, two things. I'm always amazed and impressed and so humbled by the students at the school and the teachers and their ability to be 
open and vulnerable and giving and and to create a safe space and I think that that's really profound and amazing and unique and a very special sacred thing um, I think I the lesson that I continue to try to learn is just to I don't know the most succinct way to say this to to believe that the work I'm doing is enough so I don't have to add more. To just be present and breathe and let the words do their work. Mm -hmm. um, and still do things, but not do too much. I'm not saying this right. You no, say you it are. better. Well, no, you said it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Trust is such a... I have two books over there on trust. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's all about trust. Yeah. Okay, last question. How would you define love? It's a big one. Also vulnerability. <laughs> um, vulnerability and I think any anything you love or any person you love, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or anything, it's seeing that person or thing in its entirety mm -hmm. and loving every aspect of it mm -hmm. and not needing to change it in order to mold it into what you think it should be. It's embracing all of the best parts and all of the worst parts. Which can be really hard to do. Um, but I know that when I've felt the most loved, it's by people who I know have seen me at my lowest point and mm -hmm. still choose to love me and be with me and support me every day. Well said. Thank you. I always like to end my, my definition of love is this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And just, uh, how can people find you? I know you're not a big social media person, but <laughs> I mean, how can I'm, they? I am on Instagram. Okay. Um, it's uh, at Jessica underscore Roth. I have a blue check next to my name. So, okay, so that's, you're official. I am official. <laughs> um, and I don't know, find, find me and, and come see movies I'm in and support them, but also Absolutely. go live your life. Yeah. Also like find yourself. You don't need to come find me. Find you. You can do it. That was lame. No, that was amazing. That's a perfect way to end. Okay. Thank you, Jess, for Thank being you so here. Much for me. Thank you. Thank you.